ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. You're listening to episode 9-4 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernit. Every week we get together, we listen to great video game music from all generations and all systems and we just get down to it and enjoy them. Pernell, how are you? I don't know, man. Summer is doing its summer-like thing, yes. you know. And as you definitely know, Summer and I are not friends. <laughs> so I've been giving it the finger on a regular basis. It's your uh, arch, arch nemesis, the sun. It really is. Yeah. And people kind of get thrown for a loop when I'm just out in the middle of the street, just like waving the finger up out of nowhere. Like, what's this guy doing? What kind of jerk is this? I feel like as we get older, I've become more of a morning person, and you've just gone further into nighttime person. Yeah, at this point, I may as well not even wake up in the morning. Just <laughs> Why even go to work at this point? Just bring work, bring I like that work we, to the evening. We meet, we meet in the middle, though. Kind of, for the purpose of the show, at least. At least. <laughs> for everything else? Not so much. <laughs> oh, come on. Not so much. Evenings are nothing. Go. <laughs> All right, well, we have another special treat for the show this week. Pernell, do you know who we have on the show tonight? Coincidentally, yes. It's kind of funny how that played out, but for now, we'll just announce the said guest. Yeah, we have Mustin from the video game cover band The One-Ups. Mustin, thank you for coming with us today. Thank you for having me on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe your history with The One-Ups and maybe some other things you're working on? Yeah, I co-founded the group back in 2000, I think. And we played our first show at the very first MAGFest in 2002. And that's where I met uh, Mr. Purnell, actually, all those years ago. Wow, man. Still find that hilarious. Because I was like, I don't think he's going to remember who the heck I am. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, there were only 250 people there. So I remember everybody. (laughs) Now, there's just too many people to remember. It is. Does do the, uh, do the one up still tour? And do they do, they, do you guys still play together? Yeah, we still play. Uh, we did um, in let's see, we did PAX uh, West last year, and this year we did PAX South and PAX East and Magfest. Wow, nice. Um, so uh, Magfest was was a big one because we played their prom, which is this. <laughs> big thing that they do and we played for three hours and we um, surprised everybody Mm. by bringing David Wise up on stage to play his uh, composition Aquatic Ambiance with our uh, Bossa Nova arrangement Oh wow! from Donkey Kong Country. Did did he play with you guys or did he like just kind of come up and you kind of serenaded him? Um, uh, We knew that he was going to be at MAGFest so I told William, my co-founder and longest other member mm-hmm. the uh, the band uh, i said hey why don't you reach out and see you know since he's going to be there if he would like to uh play with us i mean i I'll see if he wants to because <laughs> we played with other people before um yeah. we 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 were the backing band for um yokoshimamura in mexico city oh that's at awesome a, yeah at an, at an event where um we were celebrating Street Fighter 2 and we played uh, her compositions with her. Um, and uh, we, they've also, I wasn't in the band at the time, but the one of us were also in Mexico with uh, Kira Yamaoka, who we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. the Silent Hill composer. And 
so yeah we're trying to like you know hang out with more composer people and do fun stuff with them and whatnot but uh yeah it's just if anybody doesn't know it's this uh cool funky video game music cover band everything we play is from a video game and it ranges in styles from uh solo classical guitar to latin jazz and bossa novas to hard rock and then mostly like electronic uh funk uh, yeah. we've got a synth bass and and uh do some cool spacey sounds but we're all kind of all over the place it's fun i'm a big fan of your kind of jazzy bossa nova arrangements of the tracks i think i think that style lends itself really well to, to a lot of the classic like snes tunes i also kind of like the fact i was saying to mustin earlier the one-ups to me i could be wrong here but the one-ups are one of the original video game cover bands back as low, back as far as the mini bosses go mm. and not only are they still playing nowadays, but even with the wealth of new cover bands and tribute bands that have risen since then, their style is still pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. Across the scope of cover bands, it's nice and it's great to hear. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that. We we uh, we just kind of do what we want to do, and since the four of us have very different influences it comes out as being um a very i guess unique sound well how about um we listen to some great music together uh you i forget if it was you who picked the topic for this week i think it was it was um games that have had movies made for them so not like movies that have games like all the arnold schwarzenegger movies or little nemo the dream master but we're talking like these are games that later on someone thought it'd be a great idea, bad idea, to make a movie out of it. <laughs> and yeah. famously, is just not worked out super great. So, um, why don't are you prepared to maybe uh, kick us off on this 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 musical journey? Yeah, let's listen to to uh, Doom on the PlayStation. Ah, nice. So this is the opening for Doom for the PlayStation.
You're listening to the opening theme from the game Doom for the PlayStation. This one is composed by Aubrey Hodges. So the the Doom series, had, did this have different music for the different consoles it was released on? Yeah. You yeah. know, the original is famously Bobby Prince. Right, right. I wanted and... to say it was by Prince, and then I realized it's not by Prince. <laughs> Man, would that be And then awesome, I was like... Though. Wait a minute. It was different on the different consoles. <laughs> oh, man. I really want to hear that now. I really want to hear what Prince would have composed for Doom. You know, it would have been funky. Oh, it would have been swank as all get out. That would have been Ford. It would have been sexy. I don't think I don't think a sexy... I don't think we're ready for a sexy Doom. I don't know. I think it could be done. Just strutting through hell, just like just bopping guys off, and then looking like looking away from like pow. <laughs> that would be a very, very awesome game to play. So, um, so the Doom movie starring Dwayne Johnson. Uh, have you seen this one, uh, Mustin? Yeah, uh, he's credited as, as the Rock in that movie. Excellent. So it's 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 uh, before the Dwayne Johnson transformation. And honestly, I only watched it for the first time a couple nights ago, much really? to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> I made her watch it with me, and wow, that is a uh, yeah, that's a piece of work. Oh, I, I I love the Rock. I love Carl Urban. Um, you know our bones from uh, the new uh, Star Trek films and yeah, the new yeah. Judge Dredd. Um, but uh, that was not their strongest film. <laughs> not so much their problem, but uh, now what you, a ridiculous movie. Knowing that it was not so great, though, do you regret your decision to have watched it, or are you glad to have gotten it out of the way and under your belt? <laughs> oh, man, I just... I think the way my wife was looking at me, I, I think it's kind of a regret. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you subject me to this awful mess? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and then like in the trailer it went into first person view, and I was like, oh wow, that's going to be novel. But they didn't. Did they do that a lot during the movie? No, just at the mm-hmm. end uh, when uh, I guess the the big climax of the third act, where the hero finds his purpose and goes into first person mode. Um, I was about to actually make a comment related to that, which is that I wonder if the Doom movie would have made would have worked out better if it was done in the style that that one movie was done last year. It was like called Hardcore Harry or something yeah, like that. Hardcore yeah. Harry or Henry. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think the, the world was ready for something like that yet. And also, I don't think a movie like that could last for like 90 minutes. I'd have a hard time. I don't know, maybe the world just wasn't ready for The Rock. <laughs> well, I like, I, I like that he kept the name The Rock early on. Though. I, I like the way I said that. Rock. Yeah, it makes me feel the rock. There's <laughs> some weight on the otherwise lighthearted film there, didn't it? Though, well, good pick on that one. I do like it. Had, it was very Gotham City, which is cool. I gotta admit, it also didn't feel like it was a great track. But I'm sort of thinking like that doesn't feel doomish at all. <laughs> but it was yeah, really it good. it was different. The the soundtrack had like this cool orchestral stuff in the beginning, and then there was this voice that also talked over that was real deep and scary, like a demon. Mm-hmm. And then the actual mm-hmm. levels mostly were like this really weird ambience, and uh, Audrey gets a 
like gold star for the most uh, inventive use of the cuica, which is the instrument oh, that is yes. most akin to taking your straw yes. at McDonald's and moving it up and down. What's it called again? So, I, a cuica? I, I, I keep hearing, I, I hear that sound in my head and I'm like... <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's on every, exactly. it's on every and keyboard that has MIDI, yeah. the drums. Are <laughs> and so, and somehow that. he manages to use it in this uh, ambient soundtrack, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Oh man! So I don't know where this guy came from, and he's done a lot more stuff than mm-hmm. uh, I don't really know, like the like sports stuff and whatnot. Yeah, but I um, but I, I I don't know why I I think about this piece of music, this opening that we just listened to. Uh, I think about it like maybe once a month for, for since 1990 something. It's just crazy. It's good. It's good introduction music. Like you, I think I should think about this when I'm walking in the office to work. You know, everyone's yeah. gonna fear me, or or I'm walking towards the gate to hell, which Cacodemon is staring yes. you down as you walk in the office. <laughs> just my terminal. Uh, I no. think oh. that if I were to become a wrestler, I would call myself the Stone, and I would walk into this music. The Stone. Oh, that's slick. See? Instead of being the rock. <laughs> I wish I put that much thought into my wrestling setup because I still have gotten up. Like, I had, we had an episode a couple like not too long ago about the call or game anthems or whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. We had we had we came up with um uh, theme songs for each other. Oh yes. It's awesome. why why was like the opening to Silhouette Mirage, which is awesome in, yeah, in yeah. execution, but I'm not sure that would make a great wrestling intro. Like here we go, the giant, the green giant of. Whatever word I would have come up with is like this happy track plays like damn <laughs> who wants to brawl like that's so much. All right, um, Pranav, why don't you um, give us our next game turned movie? Okay, I'm going to go with my most classic tracks on this list so far. So let's break out a little bit of Double Dragon One. Ooh, Mission Four Palace. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Mission 4 Palace from the game Double Dragon. Just Double Dragon, nothing else. <laughs> Written and composed by... Kazunaka Yamane. Oh, there we go. I have a feeling this might be one of the first of possibly many movies that none of the three of us have seen. Have you seen this before, Mustard? No, but I watched the trailer a couple of days ago, and it's freaking rad. <laughs> <laughs> They play. They have this like super '90s version of uh, Carmina Burana playing, or Oh Fortuna, um, okay. 
and it's like all like 90s DJed out, like kind of <laughs> like the Mortal Kombat soundtrack oh, was. Awesome. And and it's just like playing, and they're showing all this stuff. And I was playing it and on my TV, and my wife is in the bathroom. Uh, we have this giant bathroom, and she's in there, and like. And I, I said, honey, we got to watch this movie. And she goes, not if it sounds like this the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to watch a movie uh, like she's in the club. <laughs> she's not having it, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's my jam. That's like my space jam. <laughs> Which, yeah, speaking dude, of space it's really jam. crazy. And it looks, like it's, uh, it looks like it'd be really fun if you were watching with a bunch of friends with some beer and pizza. I was going to say, like uh, some alcohol. Mystery <laughs> Theater 3000 style, you know. Oh, yeah, tear this one up. I feel like that's how it would work, have to be for a lot of these game movies, but the problem is whenever I try to convince people to watch them, they always want to listen to watch them in a more serious manner, which takes away from the fun ah. of it all when they're all complaining about it, and you know they're not being ironic about it at all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- this is a good example of like an NES track where like the, the, the noise channel is doing the percussion like way far in the background. And for me, like when I hear like those those hits, it almost sounds like a like a crash symbol, like way far in the distance, like a really heavily compressed, like kind of crash symbol, um, just like smashing. So like, even though it's like this little like this little eight bitty square waves, I'm imagining like heavy guitar, and like this, these symbols just smashing in the background. I genuinely just like the idea of this track coming, the last stage of the game. It's the most frustrating stage of the game. Maybe next to the force, but for different reasons entirely. And this is also the most, I would say, energetic track in the game, too. Yeah. So combine all those things, and you have a pretty frustrating engagement walking across <laughs> the, the freaking that first level catwalk with like these bricks are, like shooting out, knocking you down. They come out faster than your guy can walk. Yes. And you can't <laughs> time your way past. Like it's impossible. The game is not designed that way. So it just adds frustration on top of frustration. It all just combines into this, I don't know, this rush of just wanting to just get this game over with by this point. I love Double Dragon, but by stage four and by the end of it, I just wanted to turn it off. I'm done. So this could be your intro music. You're walking out on, into the stepping into the ring. And, and we... getting punched in the face by stone slabs. You're, yeah, yeah <laughs> well, Mustin's the stone. Oh! And you're going to be the foot. Where could be that? Or I could, I could be, I could be the, the mono dragon. There you go, mono dragon. Yeah, mono dragon. Just bursts out. Just single, single dragon. I have all my hearts and I'm ready to brawl. Oh man, did you um, did you ever like play this as like like a uh, versus mode as a kid? I did not. I didn't. Unless I only you played mean... Double Dragon Two when I was a kid. Oh, that was a good. That was a good multiplayer because it, you could turn on like, um, uh, I guess, friendly fire sort of. Where you can kind of punch each other. Yeah. yeah, that would that would destroy friendships and ruin... siblings. Yeah, we played that. With my 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 uh, siblings and I played Double Dragon Two and River City Ransom. And yes! most of the time, just beating each other up. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Did you ever have it like with River City Ransom where the one brother would uh? Faces like steal like both of the money from the twins. Where you were supposed to be grinding, you get one, I get the other, and eventually you get mad from stealing money, so you just beat them up on the bridge. Yep, and then you'd go back, and then you would pick up the the uh, the rock, and then the uh, the pipe, and you would play baseball. Yes, that's great. Oh, I miss those yeah, days. Those days where like you're playing like gauntlet or something, and you're all like talking to each other. Okay. You get the the health item, okay? Because I know that you're not doing too well. And then you get to the item, and someone else grabs it. <laughs> like, well, I was hungry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I needed food. <laughs> All right. 
Hey, they, where's our Gauntlet movie? That could totally be cool. That would be awesome. It's um, we can say Lord of the Rings. That could work. <laughs> that could work. They're working towards the exit, which is Mount Doom. Right? Oh no, in our look, they would have a, they would they would they would put Marlon Wayans in that film too, and then that would have been problematic. I don't know. <laughs> Mar- Marlon Wayans is the elf. No, 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 the wizard. <laughs> wizard? <laughs> it's gotta be the wizard. Oh no, y'all! That guy's the kind of fish, you know what I'm saying? You gotta be hating on the Wayans like that. That's just a living color, man. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. just, it's not the same. No, the Wayans brothers. Remember that show? That was pretty good. The grandfather made that yeah, show. Yeah, the grandfather <laughs> didn't make that show. The Wayans brothers did not. Alright, here's something for you, okay? This is a video game turned movie. 2014. It stars Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul from Postal? No, it starts No, no, it starts Aaron I'm just struggling here. <laughs> just get into it. It also stars Rami Malek from Mr. Robot and Michael Keaton. This is Need for Speed. <laughs> See, I remember that. Yeah, I didn't movie. either. And I was like, "Wow, that's right." So, Need for Speed, I'm playing from Need for Speed 2 for the PlayStation. PlayStation 1, and this is um, from EA Classic Composers, Jeff Van Dyke and Saki Kaskas. I'm playing Fasalatha Grease from the game Need for Speed.
is the track Fasalatha Grease from the game Need for Speed 2 for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Jeff Van Dyke and Saki Kaskas. Um, this this is a jam of a tune. Not, not usually my style. I'm not usually going for the hard rock stuff. But I love I love the um, the mix of those kinds of like Eastern guitar sounds and a really heavy, crunchy guitar and that cool breakdown with the really 90s like synth sounds. Um, what, what did you think of this one, Mustang? So 90s. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do. I do love that that, that kind of sound. Um, I don't remember playing yeah. a lot of the Need for Speed games. There's there were usually like cops chasing you if I remember that. Yeah, and I <clears throat> I never really played any of these uh, car games too much. I did like Ridge Racer a lot. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, back in the day, but. I never enough to like keep up with it or anything, but there's definitely car people. Like, I work with a guy that is a car guy, and, and this is his kind of thing. And you know, they were really smart to make a movie out of it because the movie crushed, man. It made like over two hundred million dollars. Oh, no kidding! It was, in, yeah. And I mean, Michael Keaton was in it, so you know it was good, right? Yeah. Pro- it probably I haven't seen it, but it probably like objectively is probably like one of the best video game movies. Just because it's like, what are you gonna? What, there's no story because you're just driving. Right. So there's really not no holes to fill, unlike uh, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's like the Fast and the Furious movies. All they have to do is like throw in like some good chases and some good action and kind of put something around that. And they've made a whole franchise off of that. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, I've seen some good, uh, clips of the movie online, and I'm like, oh, this isn't this is kind of funny. This is some cool stuff going on. And then I was like, is that Rami Malek? Holy crap! Yeah, I definitely, cool. I definitely enjoy the track. It makes me wish I played more of the Need for Speed games myself because back in their heyday, I was more about test drive and there was a there was a ridiculous number of racing games back yeah. then. Top Gear, mm-hmm. you know, Need for Speed, of course you mentioned Ridge Racer, Road Rash, Skitchin even. Remember yeah. Skitchin? Actually, like, Skitchin was um, Electronic Arts. That was also Jeff, uh, Jeff Van Dyke. Yeah, and that yeah. trial track was freaking nice. That had some really interesting sounds. Um, like hard rock on the Sega Genesis. It was very different. <laughs> it was either like super sampled and like really weird sounding, or it was like really heavily like distorted like FM synth sounds, which almost sounded like a guitar. But I will say that with them, I did pick up one later on in the lifespan. I picked up Need for Speed Hot Pursuit back in like 2013 or so. Oh, okay. And those games became a lot more fun, I think, to work with because... They were they maintained the chase element of you know doing races and avoiding the cops, but they also had the side element where you're the cops chasing after the oh, racers. Like yeah, so you can kind of alternate between the two. You could have like players racing against each other, trying to capture the other racers. It's pretty nice. That was fun. Yeah, it's, I'm still I'm still waiting for like a new like road rash type game to come out. I'm almost afraid to see what they would do with it at this point. They'd probably try to make it stupid gritty as opposed to just humorous gritty. Or they could do like a VR. That would be really good on VR. Oh, so much motion sickness and like, I don't even know. If you could withstand <laughs> it, I think you'd be into it. I mean, it's not just even racing yeah. the bike. Now you're racing the bike and you have to <laughs> not look at the road while you're swinging a chain at some other guy on the side. Uh, have, you, have you had a chance to, to play around with VR at all, Mustin? No, but I'm imagining uh, rolling my car in VR and then filling up my VR headset with vomit. <laughs> yeah, it's just not, not a good sight. Um, no, I haven't messed with it at all. And I was at a couple of PAXs and some other stuff. And then uh, I remember reading an article after it came out or something. And 
how uh, it was spreading pink eye like really fast. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't try out that. But then people got more hip to, you know, sanitizing oh, stuff. If I spend <laughs> more than like... Around, but no, I haven't messed with yeah. it yet. If I spend more than half a day at a convention, um, I'm going to get sick. It's just going to happen. Too that's, many people in one place. That's why you just come prepared. No, you're going to get sick and just like, hey, you may as well just swim in the disease and have a fun time. Or I get sick beforehand and I'm, I become the attacker. But then you're the jerk. <laughs> that makes you the jerk. But it puts me in control of the evil, yeah. and, that, and that's really what—that's really what I was missing out on. Um, uh, Mustin, why don't you bring us on to your second track? Well, I was talking about Street Fighter earlier because we love the Street Fighter soundtrack, and I got to hang out with Yoko Shimomura and talk to her about it and all the other stuff that she's done. Um, so I picked uh, Sagat's theme, which is the only theme from the game that she didn't write. But it's one that we love, so I picked Street Fighter Sagat, Street Fighter 2. You're listening to Sagat's theme from the game Street Fighter II The World Warrior. This is the arcade version composed by Isao Abe. Um, I love the percussion on, on this track. Um, it's it's so different from like the rest of the rest of the series, I think. It's um, it's kind of all over the place, and then it goes double time. Um, it's really, really cool sounding. Um, what what were your thoughts on picking this one? Well, you know, I was thinking about the we were Looking at stuff, and of course, the Street Fighter movie is just just the pinnacle of ridiculousness. Oh, yeah. uh, you're going to pick an all-American hero and cast uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and uh, then you're going to have Sagat and I mean uh, uh, Bison. And I mean, I think it was kind of a great casting. It's just so crazy that was his last movie, oh, Raul Julia. Yeah, Raul Julia as Bison, I think, was excellent. A great, great idea. And um, oh, that uh, that. Pop singer was um, Cammy. What's her name? Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't remember who it I was. I forget who it was. But yeah, I love I love Jean Claude Van Damme as the All American. I am All American. <laughs> I've come to defend freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I dodged a bullet by not seeing this movie. I saw the animated movie, and I'm content with that because that movie yeah. was freaking gold. 
So this has been a uh, uh, just a, this piece of music has been some sort of uh, pillar, I think, in, in my group of people and whatnot. Uh, so with the band, it's something that Jared, the drummer, and I, uh, been playing bass, had to work on for. Uh, we worked like on it for a month because <laughs> the time signature is yeah. just so bizarre. It's like eleven eight and switches back and oh, forth between yeah. eleven eight and some other stuff and. Um, but it was really, really hard to, to work out. So we learned it inside and out, and mm. it, it was hard. And, you know, I mean, I've, I have not heard any other band do Sagat. I, w- I would love to hear other takes on it. But um, I also have another group called the Bad Dudes, which is like my, my entourage of, uh, of uh, producer, bedroom producer types. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, uh, um, like they're, people are familiar with from the OC Remix community, probably like Joshua Morris and Dan oh, yeah. Ken, uh, Joshua Morris and um, um, D. Shu and Dale North and um, all these all these dudes, uh, Tim Sheehy, Ail Sean, like all these dudes are in my group called the Bad Dudes and uh, and Dale North and I think Kunal Majmudar, who used to go by K Triton. Um, had this idea to do an album of nothing but Sagat's theme, so we made this <laughs> album called Tie Guy. Oh, that's great! And it's got I think eleven or twelve. Uh, all, the whole album is nothing but Sagat's theme, and it's and it's and it never gets tiring because everybody had a different spin on it. And yeah. since then, like I have put a little bit of the Sagat music into like almost everything that I've done. I, I also produce music for other people, and I produced an album for a. a a nerdcore rapper named Beefy, and uh, he made this track called uh, "Geek Out," and I made all the music for it. And it it, it uses like a, the Nintendo DS had a uh, Korg uh, yeah. cartridge that oh, came out. For I played it. with that thing like, so much. Yeah, yeah. So I used that for it, and then I had like this hook that kind of references uh, the Imperial March and stuff. But there's one time where he's talking in the third verse, and he says. Um, something about Street Fighter, and whenever he does that in the background, the keyboard goes. It's so iconic. I love this tune. I I do that in so many different pieces of music. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So if we like see something produced by you, we gotta listen out for that little that little hook, that little string of notes right there. Yeah, and I, like in the in the one ups, I, I think I put it in my little bass solo in uh, our Mario Kart uh, Mario Circuit uh, track that we did. I put it in. See, I didn't even notice that, and I remember that track too. So now something's up. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to everything, dude. There's so many little Sagat snippets. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I love the I love the idea of like practicing and getting to know a song so intimately that it becomes like part of your musical DNA, and it's just there forever, and everyone's on board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how the Sonic uh, Green Hill Zone is for the one-ups. If you came up to the one-ups and, and said, play Green Hill Zone in this style, we would do it. <laughs> we did that at a, a wedding we played in um, Tennessee uh, several years ago, and uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, like Southern folks there, and... A lot of people wearing cowboy hats, so we decided that when we played uh, Green Hill Zone that we would do it in a country music style. We'd oh, never awesome. done it before. It was great. People were square <laughs> dancing. It was, awesome. it was hilarious. Oh, that's so cool. I can totally hear that in my head. That's awesome. Put a dash of twang, slow yeah. it down a bit. Yeah. All right, Pernell, what's your next movie game? Well, this track is from the game Blood Rain Betrayal, and it is called Zetagama. 
composed by the man, Jake Kaufman, a.k.a. Vert. Welcome back. You are listening to the track of Zetek Gamma from the game Blood Rain Betrayal. Written and composed by the man, Jake Kaufman, a.k.a. Vert. Does he still go by Vert, or is he just Jake Kaufman then? I think he's just Jake Kaufman. Okay. He was another guy, if I remember correctly. He was like one of the one of the MagFest 1 guys, too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was there, man. Yeah, it takes hand of memories there. But I digress, otherwise we'll be getting nostalgic and crap. <laughs> the film Blood Rain Betrayal. I think it's kind of funny I picked this track because well, Blood Rain was like a, like a, there was a series on the PlayStation, right? Or PlayStation Two. Yeah, it started on the PS2, and I thought it was interesting the fact that Blood Rain was not necessarily. I won't say it was a bad game, but it was critically panned by a lot of vendors. Mm-hmm. So it was like usually you get these movies like okay, we take a great game and make it into a subpar movie. But in this case, it was more like we'll take a subpar game, turn it into a subpar movie. But it's okay because it, it met standard. Um, but I don't know. Like I felt like Blood Rain Betrayal was doing the series justice for the first time probably in its history, which was a wonderful thing, both in gameplay and in composition or composition of music. It was just pretty much a, dyna- a dynamo effect of spectacular awesomeness. 
Now, the question I asked, though, is that did any of you guys see the film? Because I did not. I, I get it. I get this mixed up with some other vampire movie. Um, Blade series? No, not Blade. <laughs> Wesley Snipes and the Blood Rain actors. Oh Blade. no, no, no! It's um. Yeah, there you it's go. Underworld. Underworld. I get this confused with Underworld. Okay, I'm amazed even I knew that. Yeah, I think it's like the same thing. In my mind, this is the same thing. And I'm not going to lie. I honestly, when when you told me that Mustin brought this this topic on, I honestly expected to come on here and say, "Who's seen this movie?" And like almost every trip, like, "Nah, I got paid. I didn't want to put my time into it." <laughs> it was like collectively, we see one out of the nine movies brought up on this episode. <laughs> Freaking hilarious. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It- if I see a video game movie or a movie made from a video game, the, the chances are I'm just not going to go see that one. But the, the big one was that I, I was really excited to see was Silent Hill 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. But, um, but yeah, for this, this something like this, I would have just been like, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Or like Doom. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what this was, so I never even saw it. I cannot believe this, though. This has freaking, like, great people in it, man. I mean... My wife loves Michelle Rodriguez. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. I have to watch it now because she now that I know that she's in it. Yeah, yeah, the original movie. Oh, and then 2005. Sir, Sir Ben Kingsley is in the movie, yes. and so is Michael Madsen okay, from okay, friggin' Reservoir Dogs. And Billy Zane is in it, which is funny to me. And then also fun. the wonderful, amazing Meatloaf. Oh. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch this one, play I think, even though it's a Blue Bowl <laughs> film. See, that's going to happen. Uh, maybe what's going to actually happen from this episode is we're going to have a hit list of films we want to watch. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to make a list and then just watch all those. That's going to be a really sad night. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, so I'm going to go to another interesting one. This one's out. I didn't even realize this, this movie came out. This was in um, 2005, starring Christian Slater. This is Alone in the Dark. Hey! So Alone in the Dark I used to play back on the PC back in the 90s. So this came out in 92. But this was a re-release in 2008 for the PC, the PlayStation 3, and the Xbox 360. And this is called No More Humans, composed by Olivier Derivier. <laughs> this is this is a thing about the show, too. Muscle. Enjoy. No, it's fine. <laughs> Rob's pronunciations of names is spot on. I love it. Just, oh. Can't can't beat it. <laughs> All right, so from Alone in the Dark, this is the 2008 version of Alone in the Dark. This is called No More Humans.
Yeah, this was the song No More Humans from the game Alone in the Dark, released in 2008 for the PC, PS3, and Xbox 360, composed by um, Olivier Dautivier. Um, and uh, anyway, it was performed by the Mystery of Bulgarian Voices and conducted by Dora Hristova. So there's a there's a lot of lot of big cinematic like kind of work going into this song and it's just it sounds so cool and it's so different um i would imagine this over like a like a long i guess either like a long cut scene or even the opening you know it's built so much tension well the game itself i actually believe it or not like the game got really panned by critics but i was starving for survival horror games back then so i ended up picking it up and actually kind of liked it. I was quite a fan of it, except it was glitched, so something oh. I didn't get. There was a number of bad moments, and it was sad because a lot of those bad moments were aligned with moments like this, where this music would be playing over it. Mm. Like, there's a part where you are driving, you're driving a car through Central Park, and it's like, like, like tremor, like, not sure, it was like, you know, there's gaps opening up in the ground, and monsters shooting out of the trees, and the world's just going to crap all in one place. Hell in a handbasket, literally. And there's a moment where the game slows down dramatically and like music, probably that exact track kicks in and you're supposed to keep driving while it slows down, but I just kept glitching out and driving into like ditches that weren't, that hadn't shown up yet. <laughs> so I'm imagining like this music like swelling and getting really super serious and like you're like, like clipped through like a boulder. Pretty much. <laughs> it was like, like that. It's like, uh, come on, I awful. know what you're going for here, but the moment's lost on me because I like, can't proceed. So this movie came out in 2005 with Christian Slater. This game was in 2008. So they, they could have, I think they missed the boat on this. They could have actually put Christian Slater in this game. That yeah. would have been awesome. <laughs> I don't think they had the budget to put much of anything in this game, let alone Christian Slater. They couldn't put Christian Jones in the game. Did you have any um, <laughs> do you have any um, experience with the Alone in the Dark series, Muscle? Uh No, no. Uh, you know, just looking at it whenever we talked about doing this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, hearing the music now, I definitely, it yeah. makes me want to check out the game, not the movie. Uh, <laughs> All right. The movie is another one of the Louis Bowl films. Which I don't understand how he got people to work. I, I just don't, I mean, every single film was bad, and they, like, did Christian Slater and Tara Reid think, you know what, this one's going to work? Well, I, it's so interesting that they grabbed, yeah, Tara Reid was on this, that's crazy. What, what, what's, what's interesting is that he grabbed on um, these franchises that were not, like, super huge either. Like, Blood Rain wasn't exactly, like, a blockbuster like Doom was. And, and Alone in the Dark, I always felt like was kind of, like, it was well-known in, like, the PC, the 90s PC gamer community, but, like, that's not exactly mainstream. Yeah, by the time this film came, I would say it was back then it was mainstream enough, but by 2005, when the film came out, it was definitely kind of, like, it was non-existent. But I do picture, like, we both, like, constantly going into these, like, you know, these financing meetings, like, hey, look here, man. I know those last five movies were terrible, but let's hear me out. Yeah. This is my magnum opus. And that's what it is. He's like, we can we can get this franchise super cheap. <laughs> I'm a big franchise thing, baby. It's gonna do great. Yeah, be just just yeah. imagine like his portfolio is abysmal. I mean, even if he's a cheap director getting cheap properties, he has to go to somebody and get them to license the property to them to do the film, so it's just like knowing that your garbage is out there for everyone to smell the stink on. And here you are still trying to get work. Like, hey, bro, 
I'm good for it. I'm due. It's like my tenth movie. Yeah, dude. I don't get it. And then it gets Jason Statham and Ray Liotta to do In the Name of the King. I spent it was sixty million dollars he spent and only made thirteen. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. Ray, Ray, Ray. Listen here, buddy. Remember that time we went to IHOP and I and I cut your bill on those pancakes and waffles? <laughs> you do, man. We gotta film them. We gotta oh, film yeah. them. Well, uh, hearing you talk about this game and stuff, it made me nostalgic. Like I, I would like to see, maybe not an Alone in the Dark movie, but a. Um, Oh my gosh! What's the name of the game? Alone in the it's Dark. It's a game, the GameCube <laughs> game that sounds like oh, this. Yeah, um, about Eternal Darkness. Sanity, Eternal Darkness. Yeah, Eternal Darkness. Yeah, that's it. That game that would make an awesome movie. That would be a cool movie, right? Now here's a question before we move on, since you brought it up. I'm a, obviously you loved you know Eternal Darkness. I love Eternal Darkness. Rob, have you played Eternal Darkness? No, sir. We got to fix that. Really stopped playing a lot of video games after the Dreamcast and just picked it up again when the Xbox 360 came out. Man, I got to find a way to get him (laughs) access to that game. That's 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 in a nutshell. (laughs) Do you feel that it got to a certain point in the game where you just stopped really caring about, you know, it wasn't a scary game anymore. You just wanted to see more weird stuff happen with the sanity meter being tapped out? Oh, yeah. That was definitely a a part of the game. (laughs) It's just like, hey, can we ride the sanity meter? And yeah. continue to play. Basically, shooting yourself in the leg and then still trying to run the marathon. It was fun. It really it was a weird was. thing about that game. It's like uh, you, 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 wanted to not, you wanted to ride that line between alive and dead so that you could see what would happen. Yes, like the game would actually give you items to get your sanity meter back. I'd be like, I'm not using this. Get this out of here. Incentivized to play poorly. Just then poorly enough just to see what it would be like. The thing <laughs> is, I deep down, I don't think they intended for that. I think... No. I think they wanted you to play it normal, but it was such a unique thing. I would like to see a movie out of it. You're here. I'd be first in line. Well, maybe second, because I think you'd probably shoulder check me when you get there first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, going with the dark themes, uh, I think a lot of people were really excited for Silent Hill. Yes. Uh, yes. For the movie. And the thing that made me most excited was seeing some other movie I can't even remember, but the trailer for Silent Hill came on at the beginning of this other film. And the trailer had the music from the game. Mm-hmm. And this has not happened, to my knowledge, since the original Super Mario Brothers movie, the original video game movie, that where they actually used the music from the, from the actual game. Because yeah. there was a little bit of it at the beginning of the Mario movie. But I've not heard anybody else use anything else since. And then Silent Hill, I saw that trailer. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to use the music? And it turns out that the whole soundtrack was music from the Silent Hill series. And that's something that made it like really, really cool. Yeah, very yes. special. So I picked uh, Silent Hill 2, uh, Magdalene.
listening to Magdalene from the game Silent Hill 2 for the PlayStation 2, composed by Akira Yamaoka. Um, was this one Akira Yamaoka, or was it a different composer on yes, the track? Yes, it was, and it's such bullcrap that Jeff Dana gets the title or gets the card cred in the movie because mm. all he did was arrange the stuff. I don't understand why they couldn't put Akira Yamaoka's name up there. It said music by, you know, it's just it's just so Hollywood politics, you know, bull hockey. See, it's I didn't ridiculous. even know that because I saw the movie and was like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't pretty much know off the bat. Like, this is all Yamaoka stuff. This is from the game and whatnot. But you know how it goes with critics sometimes when you know, where people who can't sit their butts down and actually wait for them to end. So I got dragged out. So I didn't even realize that they didn't credit them on them. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, somewhere in there, but I mean, there's yeah. just one big title that says "Music by Jeff Dan." It was ridiculous. It's like, like they're building off of the the game's you know popularity and like it's is a franchise that they're they're building this off of, and a big part of this game is is the soundtrack. So it's absolutely it's very sad that he does not get the top billing for the for composition. I also think it's interesting in regards to the Silent Hill film that. People who listen to the show or people who just know me in general know that movies and I don't get along too well. As in, if it's a popular film, 9 out of 10 hours, I have not seen it. And yet, the Silent Hill movie, I saw this movie three times in the theaters, like <laughs> almost over the course of a week and a half, and I didn't regret any of them. It was a spectacular, spectacular run. And whether, you know, some people thought the movie was done well, some people thought it was not done so well, but I think no one, everyone was pretty much in agreement that they did a spectacular job of bringing the environment of Silent Hill to life, whether it's the, you know, the, the, you know, the soot, smoky covered, yeah, uh, foggy area, the, the form visuals. of the normal side, or the other world grates in smoke and fire. It was just done extremely well. I don't yeah. even know how else to go into it beyond that. I remember going into it, like, kind of expecting maybe the story from one of the games or being a little disappointed but then I look back on it I'm like you know it wasn't it wasn't a bad movie it just it wasn't what I expected at the time and like and why should they make the game exactly the story I mean, the movie the exact story of the game I mean they should make something original the funny thing is they kind of it was almost it was not exactly the from the premise of the first film but it almost was like they just did a, they did some gender swapping. Yeah. They put the mo- they put a mom and dad in the film, even though the dad was loosely based in the film. So the themes were still kind of there. Yeah, the oh, daughter, yes. the mom. Instead of Harry, it was the mom. They still had the cop. They still. Um, I'm trying to remember if the 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 woman that was there was in the first game, or if I'm just miscorrect. I want to say it was like Dahlia. Right, Gillespie. yeah. I remember the the addition of Pyramid Head being kind of like that was why dumb. Why is he there? I know he's cool and scary looking, but like, hey, the fans love Pyramid Head. He'll bring some ticket sales. But he definitely had a reason to be there in Silent Hill too. You know, that was that was integral. I think they just wanted that money, and they did it in home. The, the game designers did it in Homecoming as well. Yeah, so I remember that. I was like, what are they doing with this? But there's some really strong aspects about the movie, like you mentioned, and a thing I think using the music was a really important thing. But also, there is, you know, that initial uh, shot where um, I think they're following um, 
the uh, Rodham Mitchell character, Rose. Mm. And it does like the exact same thing from the PlayStation game, like the same camera movements and stuff. It, it's just really amazing. But one other thing that I really like about it is that the people seem pretty realistic in a world of crazies. They, they, were, they were really cool to use um, uh, like dancers and stuff to, to put them in costumes and have them contort their bodies in creepy ways and stuff and not do everything CG. Mm-hmm. But the people in the movie acted pretty appropriately. Uh, I love the first time um, Rose and, the, uh, and Sybil, the police officer, are in the um, elevator. And then the the darkness comes and then like pyramid head is like stabbing through the thing and they're screaming and they're freaking out and then the world goes back and the first thing that happens is she comes out and drops some f-bombs which like i mean they don't do that in movies too often especially when something crazy happens you know maybe more in the 80s they did that but it was just nice to see someone react the way that i would have reacted which was like what what is going on i'm going to use a lot of bad language here i have to agree with you there because it gets to a point where all that composure and I got to be, I got to be mindful of the people around me just goes right out the window. I was like, what the heck is this? You know, I can't say it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, it's some, some supernatural, like, like otherworldly thing is going to blow your mind. You're not going to be able to contain yourself. And that's why exactly. Yeah, totally. And that's what bugs like a lot of video games and movies just do not convey that very well at all. Like people come out and like, well, that was weird. I guess I'll go home and have dinner. <laughs> Figure it out tomorrow. Like no one does that. No, it does. Yeah. One thing, one thing that also bugged me about this is that it wouldn't get the original script. There were no men in it and, and, uh, they, the, the, no one would finance it unless they wrote in, uh, some, some men characters. So they, they brought in the Sean Bean. I was was there. uh, That would be like, why, why do they got to do that? Like, I mean, why can't, why can't women just carry a movie and make it like it would be scary? And I don't know. It was just weird. You got to say, you know, though, if that was the case, then it's kind of hilarious because if I remember correctly, Sean Bean had like a part at the very end of the film and maybe like one other part in the middle where it was like, where's Rose? Her dinner's getting cold or something <laughs> like that. Like it was really like he was barely even there. So, yeah. And the only other men aside from Sean Bean were like, I think, just random townspeople in Silent Hill, right? Well, it was the guy that was showing him around, the guy in the regular world that was trying to help him get to the town and said, you can't go there. There's this fire. He was some government agent dude. And uh, he was the only other dude. So the two dudes are in the world. And then and everybody else that was a major character was a woman in the in the Silent Hill. The movie was happening on the other side. <laughs> But yeah. that's kind of sad. I didn't realize that was an actual um, politic of the, um, politic related to the film. But that's not yeah. Pleasant. And then this this music that we're listening to is the it, it, they used it to play at the end of the film whenever Rose and 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 Sharon do make it home. But you don't really know. You don't really understand if it's home or not because Sean is still or uh, Christopher the character the dad is like still looking for them such a strange thing and I never really did understand everything about Silent Hill because there was so much head headiness to it but I really appreciated the uh, the psychological freak out that it had for a video game that you know people you know parents and stuff would say oh you know video games are just toys well you know and then now there are people that recognize many people that recognize now that video games can be art and they should be appreciated yeah and it will be important in great, history great tools for for storytelling and, and and you know not not just cinematic but like in, in a way that 
uh, um, the, the, the user can interact with it and, and experience a story in a completely unique experience. I do want to mention this, though, since we brought up storylines and games and the like, and it's still Silent Hill based. Um, I've played Silent Hill 1, 2, 3, 4, and a number of the spin-off follow-up games. Mm. None of them have conveyed story in a way quite like Silent Hill 1 did. And the fact, in the way that it pretty much divided almost every person that had played the game into their own personal interpretation of how the game played out, what the world was composed of, how it ended, etc., etc. So a part of me generally feels that to this day, that the phenomenon that was Silent Hill 1 was almost by accident. Like, they didn't yeah. intend for that to happen. They actually had, we have this coherent story from beginning to end, and by the end, it's all laid out for you. But they just made a few twist changes, maybe a few writing mistakes here and there, and at the end we got, well, I believe it ended up like this. <laughs> you know, I believe the cult did these things, you know. So, well, what do you guys think, if you've played through them at all? It's been a while since I've played through these games, but I, I like, I do like the idea of, of not just having like completely uh, different independent like endings depending on how you complete the game, um, but it's just, I think it, it, in some ways like having different endings like drives the player to play a certain way, like oh I got 100% this or that, but I like the idea that, that the decisions that you make really change the outcome and, and, and how you look at the story of the game. I think every game I've ever played, I've gotten a bad ending, unless I like went through a walkthrough, and that's just how things are done. <laughs> um, so it's like I always end up like walking away. I, I walked away from Silent Hill 2 being like, oh, that was terrible. I should not have looked at that knife so many yeah, times. Why did that happen? But yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that's, that's kind of my, my, my take on that. I do really like linear um, games in that way, so that there's, there's definitely... Um, a, a narrator or some kind of voice that's like kind of walking through the story. How about you, Mustin? I think I, I played one, two, and three, and I don't really remember. I do, rem I, I guess I do remember getting, I guess, what would be considered the worst endings. I never got like the dog endings or anything like that. <laughs> but um, I, but I don't really remember it so much, and I don't remember some of the details. I just remember like certain experiences. Like going into the bathroom and hearing someone crying yeah, and then yeah, going yeah. into the other side of the world and finding, you know, like these mutilated bodies in the bathroom. And like it, it I just remember the aesthetic of it and the sound and the feel. And sometimes it just seeps back into my memory randomly, kind of like something that you maybe tasted once as a kid, a candy or, or something. Turkish delight. Or you, Yes, your grandmother's cooking or something, and it just kind of comes back into your mouth for a moment, and and just comes back out. And that's something about these Silent Hill, the the the, the world of it affected me in that way. Not so much like, can I remember every little piece of it? Yeah, that that feeling. It's almost it's almost a nostalgic feeling without ever having been there. Um, yeah, you know, aside from revisiting the games, it's like it's like it's like that beach town. You know, I know I've been there as a kid, or I know I've seen that before. Um, and then it going completely dark. It's like, oh, that's everything is where it should be, but it's not like how it was. Um, actually, that's really interesting because I think of um, I think of I think back on places that I've been to when I was younger, and then if, if you go back to them when you're older, and they're different, and they're not what you think it was, and you realize you can't really go back to these things, um, and that's kind of a nightmare on its own. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's a <laughs> Very well put. It's a waking nightmare. The Pete other Pernel. world of your memories. <laughs> um, what's, what's your final track, Brunel? Well, my final track is from an iconic game that became, a, unfortunately, became a joke to way too many people in his later years of life. And then I got a resurgence and became good again. <laughs> but um, let's go with the original game from this iconic series. The main theme from the game Tomb Raider. listening to the main theme from the game Tomb Raider, released on the PlayStation 1, written and composed by Nathan McCree. I'm also on the PC. That was when I first... Well, I didn't... I received this game I think for Christmas, or for like a birthday, um, and I was really interested in the idea of having like a, a 3D kind of exploration adventure game, mm-hmm. and the idea was so new 
and I thought it was so cool, and it would not play on my little Tandy computer. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It's, and it's a shame, too, because this game was, at the time, I think this was, we were saying earlier, I think this was, um, it's either Eidos or Eidos, but this was their first big release, to my knowledge. They've had other properties, but nothing sang quite like Tomb Raider. This was, this, I don't know how to explain this put, well, put weird things on the map, like, you know, polygon modeling, but the game itself was also extremely well done and unique for its time. And this track would play like at sporadic points throughout the game. Like you would walk into like a, you would come out of a tunnel into a huge open environment with, you know, dilapidated ruins and pillars sticking up and bodies of water just lying about. And this music would just play to just kind of give you this experience, just understanding of like, hey, I just walked in this huge new environment. You should go explore it for a little bit, you know? But I don't know. Tomb Raider 2 didn't quite hit me the way I wanted it to, but. And then Tomb Raider 3 also, and then there was the Angel of Darkness. It just got weirder and freaking weirder. And the sh- series just didn't click with me again until, what was it, the recent that Guardian of Light release that became like a top-down co-op platformer, which yeah, was spectacular. Yeah, I remember you were like really into that. Oh, I was obsessed with that game because it was so well done, and it came out of left field too. And I think that was the beginning of reviving the franchise, and now it's actually just as strong as it was. Um... The movie, though, with Angelina Jolie, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember anything about it. And that tells you a lot about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> was it Angelina Jolie's yeah. big break, too? Well, not, no, not our big break, no. One of her first movies was no. the classic Hackers. Oh. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. But she was already but the so- uh, Tomb Raider movies were interesting because she had this really strained relationship with her IRL father. Um which is uh gosh what's his name he has no joliness to it <laughs> um but oh come on what's his name you know what i'm talking about he was a bad no, guy the guy Mission with Impossible. the mustache he was a cool dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he like he's uh john uh, Voight. her john, dad john and Voight. he her dad is john yeah, john Voight. Voight. yeah yeah that's her dad john Voight, and like for them to have like this strained relationship in real life and then have it portray out on screen was a very interesting um, little bit of, uh, of, of moviness, I'd say. But I, I don't know. I never really played the games. And I, I, I also don't hardly remember the movie at all or, yeah. or movies if I've seen them. But I, I don't know. It could be a defense. I like to look at Angelina Jolie. Brain, that's all I you know. know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that could be your brain saying, "Shut down. You don't want to go back that far. Let it go." <laughs> yeah, I, I feel Let like I feel like they, they figured out the casting for this movie, and then they were like, "All right, who's got a script? We got about two days to put this thing together. Uh, we can get like a plane. We can do this." <laughs> okay, there's gonna be well, a two. Do you have? <laughs> do you have any hope for the new one? Uh, a new movie. Yeah, it comes out next year, man. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't even know one was coming up. Did they get Jolie back? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the new no, one. they're they're doing a reboot. Her name is uh, Alicia Vikander. Um, she looks like a warrior princess. They're going to do a whole reboot based off of the uh, Square Enix, uh, Enix uh, Tomb Raider 2013. I'm not sure how I feel about that then, because have you played have you played the 2013 game by chance? No, it's a spectacular game. But the very beginning of it is brutal. Like she's like 
get like attacked by like wild animals, like falling on like sh- sharpened twigs. It's just a very brutal thing that I'm not sure if I want to actually see it done live. They have to skip that whole part. It's just have, like a time skip. Well, they'll CG it. I mean, there's there's some pretty gory stuff in the Silent Hill movie, so. Yeah, but Silent Hill's different. That's a horror game. Yeah, that's rated R, man. It's meant to be horror. I don't want to play a game like I'm a I'm a prosper I'm a prosperous college student who's learning about archaeology. Oh my god, a bear! Get off my arm, bear! Good, we'll need that. All right, I'm gonna bring a little bit of uh, levity to this to this podcast. I'm going. I'm gonna go back to Double Dragon Town. Oh, the revisit. Oh, snap! Yeah, back to Double Dragon Town. This is from this is the arcade version of Double Dragon. This is the ending theme, and I love how, like these super serious like stories, and especially in the arcade games, have these really have these endings that sound nothing like they do, um, like the rest of the game does. And so this is composed by Kazunaka Yamane, and this is the ending theme from Double Dragon for the arcade. Theme, the Double Dragon for the arcade, composed by Kazunaka Yamane. Um, so yeah, it's just really light. It's like you just beat up dudes and you know threw them off buildings, <laughs> smacked like down the, your brother. Probably lost about forty dollars and quarters trying to beat this game. And there's just like a nice little, nice little lovely song at the end. You know, like you all, did it. Seriously, it's all roses and. Um, but the sound of it is just uh, the the classic arcade sound on, on these old Yamaha chips. This was the Yamaha 2151. Um, and it was also used in the likes of Afterburner and Outrun. And I just I love I love that kind of it's got kind of like a wow kind of sound to it, almost like a vowel kind of sound every time that synth note starts. Um, yeah. Do you have any like uh, any arcade games you finished like as a kid that stick out in your mind? Uh, I remember finishing The Simpsons with a bunch of people. Yeah. That was that was a, a unique experience. And then, of course, the Street Fighter Two endings were all kind of like this too, with just this weird <laughs> ballady. Yeah, I walk oh. off into the sunset music. Oh, speaking of sunset, Sunset Riders. That was a cool one to finish in the, in the arcade. Yeah, tough one too. Yeah, uh, that'd be a good movie. Sunset <laughs> Riders movie. Let's do it. <laughs> that or Wild Guns, actually. Well, I you should get bankrollers. Wild Guns. Yeah, I'll reach into my wallet right now and <laughs> see what I got. Uh, $20? I think between the three of us, we can make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say was your favorite arcade beat-em-up growing up? I mean, they Killer all... Instinct. Which one? Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct. Yeah, there we go. 
I can it see wasn't that. a beat 'em up, but I just you said favorite in arcade, and my answer of default was kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Pernell, did you like beating up kids in the arcades? <laughs> well, no, not so much. But thankfully, as a kid, I was also a kid. So yes, I enjoy slaying the SmackDown on fellow children. Yeah. I had no qualms with it. It's funny. Like I, I go back now and I see these beat 'em ups. I'm not. I'm not drawn to them like I used to be. There's just something about like being a kid and having kind of a shorter attention span and just loving just to sit there and just like hit the buttons over and over and over and over again. I don't think it was just that. I think it was also a combination of what you mentioned and also just the camaraderie experience. Like you mentioned the Simpsons earlier. And to me, the Simpsons is the epitome of my experience playing arcade beat-em-ups because I remember that was one of the games I used to have at the mall outside the arcade, outside outside of the Mm -hmm. movie theater. And mm-hmm. I would go and play this game, and my mom didn't have a ton of money to give me to play these things, so I usually have like a dollar or a dollar fifty, and I would pretty much, you know, do my best to play at this game. And on The Simpsons, I remember doing like the the first level, the amusement park, Springfield Bluff, and then there was a gap that I don't quite remember, and it was mostly the majority of Moe's Bar and some of the cemetery. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the um, like you go to the um, the not the circus, you go to Krusty Land or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the second level. The oh, okay. part. Yeah, but I remember it was connected to Moe's Tavern or something weird like that. There was a lot of oddness. It was like you went like you went to like, it was like Moe's Tavern, then I'm oh, sorry, it was a, like Springfield Bluff was after Moe's Tavern, and then you went to Dreamland. It, was, it just kept going. But the way the game would work was like I never had the money to play the entirety of the game, so I would put some quarters in, play, screw up and die, go out beg for money. <laughs> Whether from my mom or from random people in the mall, that was when I had my panhandling skills at an all-time high. <laughs> then well, the, came the, back. The soundtrack to the Simpsons arcade was Kazuo Hanzawa, yeah. who did the Gunstar Heroes. Oh, there you yeah, go. That was oh, a, that's cool. That awesome tre- music too. It was a treasure game. Yeah. yeah, but you would pretty much like come back and you're like, "I'm back, guys. Here's my quarter." And then for no reason, you're in a TV studio. You know how you got there? Except when I played it, I didn't even know it was a TV studio. So it just happened to be in a you know Japanese castle for no reason. But you did it, and then, of course, without going on and rambling too much more, there was the eternal fight with Mr. Burns where he just would not die, and kids were popping like $5 into the machine just to be a part of the ending credits. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Everyone wanted to be right there for the end. You had to be there for that that final blow, otherwise you didn't technically beat the game. Wow, it's like like we were trying to earn experience points before they were... Yeah. Well, I mean, that it was, was cool experience to hook up with randos and do that. Yeah. Like, like, of course, working together. It's that visceral experience. And, and, but I, I still am able to use it, though. Uh, as a father, I'll sit down with my son and we will bust through Streets of Rage 2. Yeah. And uh, we'll use, you know, I've got it on my Wii and you, we just play it. And, and that's cool because he kind of gets a little bit of the experience of, you know, doing, you know, there's no quarters anymore, but uh, just you know having to beat them up and doing something with uh, the camaraderie, you know, yeah. I guess a father son thing. But parenting, you right. can still live it out. It's still it's still fun. All right, so let's let's bring this down, and we're going to get into the last part of the show. We like to call the bonus round. Bonus round directed by Rob Nichols. Let's go for the gusto. Thank you, Pernell. The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes based on today's theme. Today's theme is games with movies created after the fact. Um, Mustin, could you uh, maybe introduce your first track? Yeah, I uh, uh, going back to Silent Hill, um, the one-ups when I was not in the band during a hiatus made an album 
called Songs for the Recently Deceased. And on there, they had a collection of Halloween-ish type uh, tracks. Um, so they did uh, Resident Evil and they did uh, Silent Hill and they did that song from Pokemon that allegedly causes suicides and all this like dark stuff. They did uh, um, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors and oh, cool nice. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so nice. I picked um, Silent Hill. They did the main theme. Um, it's called Dance Off at Silent Hill. And I was kind of being objective because I did not play on this, uh, but I really like it. I think it's funky and groovy. It's definitely a departure from the original, but uh, I thought it was fun. All right, let's dig into this. This is a Dance Off at Silent Hill.
That was Dance Off of Silent Hill by The One Ups. Um, yeah, that was super smooth. Um, that lead was on point. Oh, I was into it. I was over here doing the shakes and the grooving. I don't know, like, every once oh, well, I guess it's not a secret anymore at this point with the show, but every once in a while I do get my moves on over here. If the music really moves me to, you know, shake it or flake it or <laughs> shake it, flake twist it. it, smack it up, flip it, make a sandwich, I don't know. Um, but that track definitely had me over here moving about. It was an excellent tune. When you, uh, when you play out, um, or when you have played out, do you... Have you ever uh, coordinated dance moves with other members of the band? Uh, I guess kind of, yeah. Uh, way back <laughs> in the 2000s, the, uh, like uh, over over 10 years ago when we yeah. had our violin player and our sax player, um, we would kind of like do some uh, robot stops. <laughs> um, it was pretty interesting. During the uh, Mario Underground, dun 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 Oh yeah. Sometimes we would break it down and we'd go dun, and we would pause, and we go ba dun, ba dun dun dun, ba dun dun dun, and then we would like move like robotically during that. That's awesome. Um, Pernell, what you got? Well, I was going to originally just kind of cop out and say, "Hey, I have another track that I want to go with by Vert," which would have been the track from was it? The basically the palace remix that he did for Double Dragon Neon, which yeah. is a superb tune. But I decided I want to take a gamble on a guy. Uh, well, I brought him on the show before, but I figured I'd play another track of his on the show, and it also fits the theme, so let's have at it. Okay. That yeah. track is the dance remix of the Ice Cap Zone from the game Sonic the Hedgehog 3, composed by Gemin J.
Those is the Ice Cap Zone remix slash dance remix by the awesome Gemin J. Goes, his actual name is Jarko Ripsoma, and he was on the show before on an, also the theme was dance remixes, and the track we put on was Hydrocity Zone, which was, oh, that thing was grooving. But, um, yeah, I was, spectac- I was a huge fan of this track, though it proposed what brought up one interesting question for me, which is, what do you guys think is probably the least covered slash appreciated Sonic track of so between Sonic and Sonic and Knuckles? Like that, that quad- the, cl- the classic, like 16-bit stuff? Yeah, like what do you think is the least appreciated track there? Because I think like right away it's, um, it's going to be Oil Slick Zone. Oh, Oil Ocean, Oil yeah. Oil Ocean, yeah, yeah. Or that one that's got like that. You know, it's got that whistle. It's not not Hilltop. It's, um, I'll look it up. Anyway, I'm going to go with Oil Slick Zone. Oil Oil Ocean. Oil Ocean. Oil Ocean Zone. Yeah, I I love that tune, but you don't don't see that, you know, appreciated as often as like Hydro City. Hydro City, for now. It's Hydrocity, darn it. You say Hydro City in this house. This, (laughs) this, uh, the the debate rages on. Hey, I uh, recently uh, directed an album for Game Chops. It's uh, called Spin Dash 2. Mm. It's a sequel to Spin Dash, I guess, 1. Um, And it's got a bunch of Sonics mixes, and uh, you'll be happy to know that Flex Style did a version of Oil Ocean Zone called Aquafire on that. Yeah, he did. um, That's pretty fire. He did Flex Style. Yeah, Flex Style did did a track called Please Go Fast, which is like a kind of a medley of a couple tracks on the first album. And it was, I loved it. That hearing that was what like sold me on the whole album, and I just I just listened to it all the time. Yeah. So to good. answer the question though, I don't know if we really have a, a underappreciated one. Uh, maybe out of the whole series, I would say Supersonic Racing. Uh, there needs to be more covers of that. Um, <sighs> that whole but, OST, man. Yeah, it's so good. Mm. Uh, I think my favorite is still Green Hill Zone. I know that's lame. Well, it's great. No, it's not. I'm lame about that. It's awesome. What's not to like about it? All right. So my last track, um, I'm going to go with Final Fantasy because there was that really weird CGI Final Fantasy movie. I didn't even think about that during my entire research project. (laughs) For good reason. Again, defense mechanism. Just wash it away. Yeah. For me, it's like it's up there with like episode one star wars you know it's like uh, yeah not really should I'm, be a I'm, thing i'm making a note and i'm gonna watch it again <laughs> dadgummit um i want to say buscemi's in that i don't remember anyway i don't know yeah, it, was, it was cg it was, was uh ving rames ving rames was in it man Marcellus Wallace. yeah 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 man, my memories are rough and these these bad movies let me tell you got some good <laughs> actors in them. <laughs> all right so this is the one-ups again um doing Terra from final fantasy Six. <laughs> All right. Yeah, think about that for a second. Was it three? Was it six? So let's give this one a listen.
All right, and we're back. That was Terra from Final Fantasy VI by the One Ups. So I can thank you for that track now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I was a surprise. Thanks for playing that one. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I love, I love that the saxophone in there. Is that saxophone? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Anthony on the tenor sax, mm. and Greg on the violin. Yeah, it's it's uh, those guys aren't in the band anymore, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still rocking and rolling. Play um, on! Oh yeah, play I, on! There's a great, great adaptation of of that tune. Uh, it's in a very different direction because, like that that song on its own, like from the, like from the context of the game, is like really sweeping, and I feel like it's really powerful. You hear that early in the game, and it like pulls you in. And this is like, well, you know what? Like, what if you were like just kind of hanging out and like wanted to dance for a while, like. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think I had a conscious uh, approach to that for that reason, because uh, like my friend Ailshawn had done, you know, this back in the day, done like <laughs> the best rock uh, arrangement of a video game music was his Terra theme called Terra in Black. And oh, so good. We played that and one you too. <laughs> that track is awesome. I love it. Yeah. And like, so you couldn't, we, I, I feel like everybody had done anything at that point And we were just like, you know what, let's just approach it. Like it was at a bar, some really cool funk band was playing in a right. bar and that's how we did it. Right on. But that was back in the day albums too. And, and that whole disc, if you listen to it, volume two was two discs cause we were obnoxious and <laughs> thought that that would be a fun thing to do. Mm. Uh, but the second disc was uh, there was no stops in between the music, mm. so it was an entire hour of of, of uh, arrangements. Oh, like, and that's what we did when we played at uh, PAX two thousand eight. We played that whole CD live nonstop. It was fun. That's awesome. Like like almost like listening to a live set. You know. Yeah, that's why it has yeah. that kind of abrupt start and the abrupt end to it. Oh, I see. Which in, now, like now, I'm kind of just away from it. I've I've kind of graduated away from the idea of the album. Unfortunately, is because I I get annoyed when I'm listening to music and and it just has those cuts because yeah. it was supposed to be part of a bigger thing. And then I'm just trying to listen to it piecemeal. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I don't I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore. If I'm going to do something like that again, I'm just going to make it one track and everybody's got to suffer through it or skip it. <laughs> <laughs> We've been assimilated into the new generation, isn't that that right? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. All right, well, for more information on the artists in the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to their band camps, their sound clouds, their websites, everywhere else so you can get their music and support the artists. I want to thank you for joining us today on Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast 9-4 with our good friend Mustin. Mustin, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it was really great that uh, um, we just kind of reached out to you over Twitter and you were like, hey, I want to be on the show. Or I was like, hey, get on the show. Let's just do it. And you're like, yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> And I just appreciate that you, we actually remember who we actually remember each other. Surprisingly yeah. enough, hopefully I'm not surprised that you. you no, know, stop. Well, what was it? So we have 2002, then or 2003, and then we have 2000. You said 2007, and then something we, like that. In 2017. We gotta we gotta fit another meeting in there before we turn 50. I think it's gotta yeah. happen. <laughs> 
Well, um, do you have? Well, any, we'll talk oh. again in 2028. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Are you going to be um, at any uh, events or conventions or, or live shows anytime soon? No, actually, I don't have anything on the books. Everything I'm doing is here in my office. Um, I'm mastering another album for Scarlet Moon Records, mm. who's been putting out some really cool stuff like uh, Gentle Love, the composer from Metal Gear Solid, has been doing like nighttime sleep versions of video game music. Oh, it's been cool. really cool. Nice. Very cool. And uh, then I'm also uh, working on an old square, square soft, old school, 16-bit mostly uh, album that I'm doing of my own arrangements since I've never really released an album of my own arrangements. So yeah, so we can look out for that. Do you have a? Um, you were talking about the bad dudes earlier. Is there a, a way that our listeners can find that? Yeah, uh, th- we're on Facebook and Twitter. It's Bad Dudes Music. Um, the website is down at the moment, much to my fury. Uh, <laughs> the website that it hosted it just disappeared. So I have to fix that. But you can find everything. Uh, it's Bad Dudes. We have all the albums up on um, on uh, YouTube, except for the latest one which is a really awesome project called Psychokinetic. Um, and it was a whole celebration of the Mother, Mother 2, Earthbound, Mother 3 uh, series, all the music from that. We did two discs of arrangements of really cool music. If you're an Earthbound fan, definitely check it out. It's called Psychokinetic. Hmm. Parts 1 and 2 are on all the places, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Bandcamp, and you know all that jazz, Spotify. Uh, yeah, Bad Dudes. And then the one-ups, um, hopefully you'll hear more from us again soon. We've got seven albums deep. Wow. So uh, check those out. The one-ups, they're all on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, all that jazz. And uh, we, we're we coming up on uh, 15 years. Pernell, dude, man, that was uh, September 28, 2002 was that first MacFest where we met. And we're coming up on 15 years. And I'm trying to put together some sort of 15-year commemorative because everybody's been asking us, Where's your vinyl? Where's your vinyl? Well, <laughs> yeah, I would love I'm that. Seeing if I can pull that up. Oh man, I'd be trying to see if I can do it, but we'll see. And wow. I gotta say, you you hit you hit the you hit my sweet spot when you mentioned Earthbound and Mother and all that. Just pulled it up on my Spotify, and I'm still on the way home tonight. <laughs> so yeah, I'm all over that album, and and, and I hope that you like it. Uh, I really put a lot of a heart into it. Um, I was playing the game, working on the music, playing the game. Just trying to really capture everything. All my song titles have, are like from the game. I did the snowman music, and I just love when you're in the um, uh, what's the what's the dream world called? Oh, Magicant. Yeah, the Magicant, and you talk to that snowman, and the snowman says, "Thank you for remembering me." It's the only thing that the snowman says, and you're inside of Ness's like subconscious, and it's just such a poignant like moment like the whole idea of of something that you created uh lives on in your memory and just the the fact that it thanks you for continuing its existence is such a weird japanese thing (laughs) that i just really appreciated it and then so i named that that's what i named my snowman theme but my snowman theme is done in the style of kind of ben folds which is fun oh fun that's (laughs) super fun yeah i like that i like the sound of all this yeah we're gonna we're gonna listen to that later so um, for our listeners, um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can check us out by email. Rhythm and pixels at hotmail.com. And if you'd like a full track listing, go to the website. Rhythm and pixels. 
Facebook.com. And you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, all the social media places. It's uh, Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Just type us in there. Type us in Google and you'll just find us. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, um, hit that uh, subscribe button or just rate us. That would be really helpful to us. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Mustin, you've been a pleasure on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was freaking awesome, man. It was, <laughs> I had a great time chatting with you. We, just, we were just yucking it up about random Absolutely. stuff. That was the, that's the best kind of guest. I'm sorry. <laughs> just just come on. As you're pretty much just buddies hanging out and having yeah. a chat. Excellent internet connection. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> well, this has been the Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernet. Thank you, and have a great week. And remember, it's easy to judge a book by its cover. Especially more so when it's a video game movie, and we all know how notoriously bad they can be. But hey, just because you've seen five bad you know, video game movies doesn't mean the sixth one that's coming out down the line, not per- directed by Wee Bowl, can't be good. <laughs> Give it a chance. At least read about it. Don't just dismiss it outright because history, you know, gave you a bad run. Because this could be your, this could be the one. This could be the, the one. one true dream, the one. and you don't want to miss it. <laughs>